Hey everybody, it's Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here, wishing all of you a happy Valentine's Day, and for those of you that don't celebrate, happy Singles Awareness Day. On this week's episode of the Aka Education Podcast, I sit down with Connor Martin and Andrew Orsi of Black to Gold. We're going to be discussing Black to Gold's new single, Decode, and how they've managed to thrive during the pandemic. Connor is also going to offer up some refreshing insight on the journey of an arrangement, and Andrew is going to give some tips on how to book performances. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some Aka Education. It's the Aka Education Podcast. The Aka Education Podcast. How to Hey everybody, it's Justin Glodish here with episode 57 of the Aka Education Podcast. This week with me, I have a couple members from New York-based acapella group, Black to Gold. They're actually, they're really awesome. I found them on Instagram not that long ago, and they sang one of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs, and I kind of fell in love with them that day when they sang The Chain. So I just want to thank Andrew and Connor from Black to Gold for being here. Gentlemen, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Cool. Thank you for having us. Woo. Absolutely. So um, let's talk about the new single that has actually just come out uh, as of this airing. It'll have just come out. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Paramore. I, I was a big emo kid back in the day. Um, still am, actually. I didn't get tickets to that big Vegas festival, but I wish I did. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> um, I, I don't trust it. I, I, I'm still on. I you still mean Fire Festival 2.0? <laughs> yeah, right. That's they already have the documentaries ready to go. So um, I wanted to talk about the new single, Decode, a Paramore tune, fantastic tune. Well, one, why Paramore? And two, how did you make it your own? A lot of acapella groups tend to kind of mash what they can to the original. How did you make it your own? Cool. Yeah. So um, I this was one of the first arrangements I actually did for Black to Gold. Um, Mm -hmm. And this we started the group in like almost three years ago it was like april of 2019 and it was a lot of alumni from my school up at hofstra university and we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later but with with that choice at the time it was really like one of our soloists ashley who left the group shortly after we started the group uh and andrew replaced her uh she was she had sang a, a bunch of paramore tunes um and like i just thought it would be great for her voice and that song in particular, like I, you know, I kind of was a Twilight fan, not going to lie. Um, and and that song, I mean, it's 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 just such a it's such a unique Paramore song, I feel like. Yeah. Um, like it has all the qualities of a classic Paramore tune, but it also delves into you know, like um, I, it's hard to say exactly what draws me to it. Um, so that was it. And, and that was when we did the open 2019, which was our first time performing as a group. That was our, uh, our closer for the set. Um, and actually it closed very differently. Like I think back then I was trying, I was trying too hard to be like, like Eric Whitaker with my, uh, with some of my arrangements or like trying to pull out like a nor'easter ending Mm-hmm. to a track like this and over time the more that i've gotten better at arranging i kept looking back at decode like mm, eh. like it's 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 a cool take on it but it it's still it doesn't have enough of the original so actually over the summer this past summer i asked the group and i was like you know do you guys trust me to basically rearrange the entire end of the song because mm-hmm. it it needs to have more of a punch like a you know something to end it yeah so i I rearranged the whole end and i think um we had this one this track mastered by bill Hare, Mm -hmm. um obviously a acapella legend and like i asked him what he thought about it honestly and one of the cool things he said was like oh this is a very more like chapter based approach to a paramore song like a lot of paramore songs and straight pop or rock songs they're very 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and then it's done. Whereas I think something that I love to do with Black to Gold, and Andrew, you can speak on this as well, is that like in order for us to make it our own, like I just I choose different way to spice it up, whether that's featuring all the voices singing in unison for four bars and then breaking out into this new belt thing or um, changing up the bridge so that like cutting out all the instrumentation in quotes and having everybody sing the melody of the song hmm. in unison and like having very bare harmonies. Um, and I think what we ended up with, with decode is, is how I wanted the original arrangement to be. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to go about it then. Um, so now it has this big rock ending and luckily the person who mixed it, Jill, one of my colleagues, Jill Clark, um, I told her like, yeah, go for it. Like if you want to use a, a lot of distortion, you want to use a lot of effects, like please do. It'll make it more, uh, you know, exciting to listen to. So that's kind of, you know, my journey with the song. Um, and Andrew, you can speak on that too, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's most of it. I didn't really have anything. I just sing it. <laughs> awesome. You know, one of the things that I love that you mentioned is how, it was a journey. Like you talk about this journey of this song, you know, and um, one of my favorite bands, I mean, outside of like the emo stuff, I'm a big Dave Matthews fan. And I've, I've been to plenty of Dave Matthews shows um, in my life and every show is different. It's not the same. And every summer, even the song, like the jam session at the end is something completely different. And there's always this journey from what it first started out with maybe on their album and then what it sounds like in concert every year and i love the fact that you bring up this journey because you wasn't ready right and then yes. you you found your way into this new thing and it's just it's it's something that happens over over time like i look For back sure. at so i look back at some of the stuff i arranged in college and i, <laughs> I want to slap my my college self i'm like what were you thinking this is horrible <laughs> you know? and me too man me too and then i i look at i look at them you know, how I've kind of arranged over the past couple of years and I'm still learning and I'm still growing and it's still frustrating to go back and, you know, but if I didn't make those decisions before, yeah, I don't think it would have led to where those decisions are now. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things with black to gold versus like other acapella experiences I've had. I, I think you tend to get really attached to like, well, the arrangement is done and then you just have to make it work versus mm -hmm. um, we will literally sit down and start singing something and somebody can say this line's not working in my voice and and Connor will either fix it right then or, or you know, we'll, we'll find ways to adapt it or we'll change an entire section of a song if it's not working. And I think that is such a big part of, number one, making songs your own because you're mm -hmm. literally like, great, we did it out loud. This thing wasn't us. Let's make it us. Um, Number two, it lets you like make sure that every arrangement is suited to the voices you have. Cause like, right. what is your group if not the voices that you have in it? And then last but not least, like you learn, you learn by doing that. The, the more you allow yourself to say, this thing doesn't work for us. Great. Then you're not going to do that in the future. And you can just like catch stuff ahead of time or arrange your things differently. So yeah, yeah adaptation's yeah. I, great. Yeah. And I think to add to that too, like in, in regards to the journey you were mentioning, like another reason why decode was it's how, like, why the original arrangement was the way it was, was because I had a, a very interesting view on competitions at that point where like mm. a competition arrangement had to be something different than a gig arrangement. Whereas like now that I I've been doing competitions for a lot longer, I've been judging them. Like that's not really true anymore. Like maybe there was an era that it was very specific that, you know, at least when I got it really into this stuff, like 2016 through 2018, um that was a very thing stuck in my brain so i was like mm -hmm. i need to make decode and an aka open uh closer masterpiece and tie it into the rest of the set and use and it's just like yeah that's not what that's not what the original song is about you know yep. the original song is raw and it's powerful on its own so that's why the song ends up being this very you know journey-esque type of thing yeah so you bring up an interesting interesting point this kind of, i want to go off topic a little bit because you, you just mentioned how um you built the arrangement for the the venue 
in a sense. He was like, all right, mm-hmm. this arrangement has to sound like this because this is like the expectations of what they're going to want to hear at competition, basically, versus what you would do if you were doing like a sing in the local dorm or, you know, do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, do you find that when you arrange now, like, does that even come into, into play? Do you just focus on, well, these are what we typically, like, for example, do you arrange songs specifically for school performances versus heading to a college performance, heading to local, you know, music hall performances? Do you devise your arrangements um, appropriateness for say for, you know, schools Mm -hmm. versus colleges, or do you stick to one thing and kind of modify those specific arrangements? Yeah. um, I think I'll let Andrew speak about like, our actual process for picking songs because that's something that we do a lot and and andrew has like flashcards and he's very like smart about that but from an arranging standpoint i think the the better i've gotten at arranging the more everything has has sort of flattened out um and how it used to be very like oh this arrangement would never work in a performance space um and then we started getting to this was like midway through black to gold's journey as a group we got into the uh, like the area of, oh, like we don't have many songs that would go over well in a bar, you know, or or they would be fun to perform, but they might be too intense or too serious. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we'll pick a song and I'll arrange it like um, Blinded by the Lights by uh or blinding lights by the weekend I was like, hello mm. all right you got, <laughs> Those a, are the you got a nice little mash up there yeah <laughs> <laughs> not the not the fun song from the 70s but um yeah the weekend's track like last year we we did like a, a successful gofundme and and like people that donated a certain amount got custom arrangements whatever whatever so we did a short one for blinding lights and it was so fun and andrew was on the solo we were like oh or i specifically as the arranger i was like I could just bang out a full. You just sort of did it. I don't even remember talking about it. You just said like, "I'm just going to arrange blinding lights." (laughs) Yeah, because I was like, "This would be so fun," and it 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 is it is it is really. We have like low stakes and high stakes arrangements in our repertoire. We call them, and that's one of those ones that's like, even though Andrew sings pretty high, and Alden, our vocal percussionist, like has a really crazy vocal percussion part for that. Mm. It's so fun. I think now we're at the point of oh, this song we want to be super creative with on the album Mm -hmm. and like go all in with production and like be experimental. And then all the other arrangements are, they can be performed live. It's just more of a vibe thing. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we wouldn't perform a certain song in a high school because it's either too intense or it's inappropriate or something like that. Um, and yeah, so, and then like song choice is just a big thing for the group and like, yeah, I wasn't, I feel like Andrew, you might have more to say on that with picking songs I mean, and stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I think we definitely, with song choices, it was, I'd say the, the spot that we maybe learned the most about how we needed to approach that was for the, the virtual open in mm-hmm. 2021, because we wasted about two months of prep time for the open <laughs> in just waffling through song choices. Cause we were like. I think everybody kind of had a different vision for like what a song for a competition is supposed to be. And so many people were stuck in that mindset of like, what is a song for the competition? What -hmm. are we doing for a competition? How are we going to, we've only got a four minute video, you know, like, how are we going to do this? Um, And we actually picked a different song. Like we ended up with minefields, which was the song that got us to like the finals of the open, but we had originally picked a different song and essentially said, hey, Connor, make this what we think a competition songs should be. So then he's tried to arrange it with that in mind, but that wasn't serving what the song was. And so a lot of times I think we have now settled into like, you can you can make a song your own. You can you can kind of make it bigger or but you also need to like respect the energy that the song sits in and you mm-hmm. can't force it into a hole that it doesn't fit into. Right. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, and then recently we've kind of discovered this, like this high stakes, low stakes thing that we're talking about came from, uh, analyzing our rep while we were trying to put a set together for a Mm -hmm. gig and, um, realizing that after an hour of singing, we had so many intense songs that we were like blowing ourselves out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and couldn't get through the end of the set. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we have songs in our rep that we've labeled as like, this is an upbeat, you know, Blinding Lights is a bop with a beat and everybody knows it. It's going to go over great at a bar. It probably mm -hmm. works at a high school just as well. You know, those kind of things. So we have an idea of where settings are that each of our arrangement works really well. And some of them can work universally and some of them are more specific, but I think we don't, at least we have not yet really started specifically saying, okay, we need a high school song, arrange this for a high school. It right. would be more in the song choice portion that I think we might hit that, you know, we need some upbeats to fill out a set for high schools. Let's pick some upbeats that inspire us. Got it. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Now um, I hear a lot about uh, Connor arranging um, our Connor um, does majority of the arranging um, is that you, basically majority of your arrangements are on paper here you go. Here's your arrangements. Or do you find yourselves in like sitting in a circle, you know, and you just start singing, you know, organically and just kind of organically create arrangements on the spot. Um, uh, no, we, we, uh, we definitely <laughs> Not that one. just a straight up, yeah, a straight up a no to that. Like I, I've actually been very fascinated with that approach. Um, and I, I would be down to try that, but I think a few of our members, um, like, I won't name names, but like they like this, they like structure. They, they like yeah. the structure of a thing. So sitting down yeah. and improving is is anxiety inducing as opposed to creatively inspiring. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um and and like, you know, Leah has done some of some of the shorter arrangements that we posted on Instagram. And we've also done like a full one of her arrangements at our shows. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew's done a couple of small arranging projects here and there, and he's arranging one of the songs on the album coming up. So like, that's a big step for him. But yeah, we've, we've always, at least for me recently, like there's every once in a while I'll arrange a song, like singing it into pro tools mm -hmm. and, um, that allows me to really hear back. Like one of the songs on our album is like a, uh, a Bjork experimental song from the nineties. And mm. I kind of want that to be my, like my little project, but also like the one song on the album that kind of pushes the boundaries mm -hmm. overall. And I have to like sing through that and hear it out loud in order to actually arrange it. Um, but yeah, most of the time, Honestly, I use Note Flight. Like mm -hmm. it's it's funny how how like people get so <laughs> like worked up over what notation software you use. Like I remember um I, Justin, I don't know if you were on any of the like arranging and chill sessions last year during the pandemic or two years ago. Uh it was with I got to one, uh, but then uh, my yeah. kids <laughs> my kids yeah well, that, uh, that's, a, playing, that's a good reason that's kids, a good yeah. reason i mean yeah. same but i didn't have as good a reason as kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i like, was just sad <laughs> i just remember the the chat room like being like no flight gang what up and people were like oh no flight is the worst muse score is where it's at and then it was like oh, i was like God. why is muse score the one you go with out of the other options i i don't know man i don't know but anyway yeah so all of our arrangements are um on paper and like have a lot i'm i always put the most into my arrangements when it comes to like dynamics and uh you know even performance notes because i know at least i know for black to gold like our singers i want them to know exactly what to sing and then they'll feel more comfortable that way too right well, i think that's part of like we're a six person group you know so that's different than like right. a 12 18 whatever where you're gonna have multiple people singing the same part when you're in six person group, you have to really have ownership of your part. And so mm -hmm. I think, especially for a lot of our members, it really helps if Connor gives us that like really refined structure. This is what it's going to be. This is what it needs to be so that you're coming from a really solid foundation so that when you make the part your own and you sort of put it into your voice, it's like, mm. great. I have a, a, a rail that I'm on as opposed to like my train is loose in a field. Good luck. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, definitely. No. No, I, I agree with that. First off, I, I, I might be wrong, but like, didn't like Muse score walk so that note flight could crash? Like, Correct. isn't that like, <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm, I'm being honest, like uh, note flight is so interesting. You bring that up because, you know, a lot of schools are starting to use note flight um, because right. it has like an education based component and you're seeing a lot more student arrangers use it, um, which is great, I think, for music in general. Um, but 
you know, for me, I didn't get that experience in, in high school. And now kids in my middle school are able to use it to write little, you know, eight measure things here and there. And so I, as, as much as we like note flight is great. I have a note flight account. And one of the, I think what's great is that with your arrangements themselves is that you can now put them up for a little like side hustle if you, if you needed to, you know, and yeah. as opposed to having that just organic arrangement arrangement happening where it's like, Oh, I should notate that or something, yeah. you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always better to have it on paper, but for sure. I mean, but it's interesting. I like the idea of high stakes, low stakes. And I think, you know, cause there's a lot more secondary, like high school groups. Now there's a lot more high school groups out there. And, you know, one of the first people that I had met with his high school group was Brody McDonald with um, his group okay. 11th hour in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And He's got the book out, you know, on, you know, contemporary acapella and in it, he's got, you know, his stories from his own experience with his groups. And what, what I found interesting is how he built a set and he he didn't use the terms high stakes, low stakes, but it, it was like, all right, you need the opening, you know, showstopper. And then, you know, this ballad here. And then, you know, it was like pinpointing the locations and you were like building the set for emotional you know, oh, response, we do that. Absolutely. You know? We do That's that why I have sure. flashcards because we need to be able to shuffle stuff around. <laughs> yeah, so you're saying definitely. when you make a black to gold set list, it's like when SNL posts who's hosting for like the next it's exactly that. three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. That's awesome. All right. So actually it's so interesting that, you know, I'm listening to the two of you talk and, uh, but Andrew actually isn't an original member of the group. Um, Andrew and I were talking before I hit record, um, and Andrew actually says he saw black to gold in concert. He was sitting in audience watching them. And then come a year or two later, he's in the group and he's like, wait a minute. I saw, I saw this group before. (laughs) So, um, Connor, how did the group actually start? And then what led to the current six member team that you have now? Yeah. Um, I love this question and I love talking about it with Andrew on the call. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, like I said earlier, briefly, like we, we, um, all the original members of black to gold were either like current students about to graduate from Hofstra university or recent graduates. And, um, all, almost all of us were in acapella there. Like that's where I got my start with acapella and like we did the ICCA tournaments and stuff. And, um at the beginning you know it was it was um me courtney who is the soprano but she's also my fiance funny enough Mm -hmm. and uh leah who is our alto um they were the three founding members with me that like are still in the group right now um and we kind of started it to do the open and to just keep acapella music going i think the reason why our members started to shift so quickly is because the three of us, me, Courtney and Leah had a different idea of what we wanted the group to be Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense of, we actually wanted to learn a lot of music. We wanted to start recording things. We wanted to do gigs and like pretty quickly after the open 2019, which was in July, that's where Andrew saw us in Mm -hmm. concert um it was actually only two months after that that he auditioned for us it was oh, like wow. yeah it wasn't it wasn't a couple of years it was like we posted we, we posted we're looking for an alto or a tenor because ashley was a like an alto that sang really low like mm-hmm. she had a really nice really low range so um i was like yeah we're looking for an alto and, and if there's a tenor that fits the role perfect and you know um andrew came along and kind of blew us away and, yeah, and connor like, didn't want me at first <laughs> connor didn't sure, want a tenor <laughs> i wasn't sure if i wanted a tenor but obviously i was proven wrong um and you know the fun thing about andrew was like i mean andrew do you want to tell your quick audition story oh yeah i <laughs> so funny. i'm i'm the worst um so basically <laughs> Uh, the first round of auditions was just kind of like, like many groups do, especially, you know, nowadays I'm sure was video stuff. So you just kind of send in video things. And then they, uh, called me for a callback, um, at Hofstra. And so I was given, um, electricity, which is a song that we, uh, still have in our rep. Um, and they basically said it's like a 12, it's a 12 or 13 page arrangement. I don't know. It's something like that. It's about a three and a half minute long song. Mm. Um, 
And they wanted me to learn, I think the first three or four pages, basically um, just up through the like intro of the song through maybe the first chorus or something yeah, like that. It was, it was a it small was right, chunk. Right. Mm-hmm. It was right before the first or second verse. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. It was a cool arrangement. And I got really excited. So I came in to the, the audition and I did my solo. They asked for another solo. And so I sang that and then they were like, great. Do you want to sing electricity? And I was like, I know the whole song if you want to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I sang the entire 13 page arrangement with them right there in the call. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's preparation that was, right there. Yeah. I Absolutely. feel like it's one of those things where it's the same way in, in theater. Mm. They, they tell you all the time don't ever sing a song from the show because you're going to pigeonhole yourself into like, they're only going to think about you for that role and you might not ever be able to get like mm-hmm. an ensemble part. They only thought about you in the song you sang. But I I remember in college, like I had productions where I was like, well, I want that role though. And I don't <laughs> yeah. want a different role. And then I would just go in with the song from that role and, and crush it. Mm. And so that's kind of it. I think it's just like, if you really want the thing, like really go all out, go yeah. all out for it and just get it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And that obviously really worked in his favor. Um, like pretty quickly after that, we, we accept them into the group. Um, and then it was interesting right before the pandemic started, like February of 2020, we lost our beatboxer. And then like two weeks later, we lost our mezzo. So we went into the pandemic as a four person group Mm -hmm. um, and we only had, I think, like one gig booked. uh, And so like we weren't that, you know, uh, we've been talking about booking gigs, but we didn't have anything like on the calendar. Yeah. Um, But like it was funny because when the VP left, his name was Owen. He's still a good friend of mine. When he left, like the five of us remaining, which was me, Andrew, Courtney, Leah and Alyssa, who was our old mezzo. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay. No one else is leaving the group. And then like three weeks later, Alyssa was like, actually, I'm out. Um, and she's she's like a, a teacher on Long Island. Um, mm. And like she was a new teacher at the time. So it was obviously very overwhelming. And right. like we totally get it. And she also was more of just like trying to have fun singing and not making it a real uh, like not having real goals in mind for the group, which is totally fine. Right. So pandemic hits were like great timing you know of course not really um but it was a blessing in disguise i think for b2g like andrew absolutely you can chime in but i feel like you agree with me like we are the next member that joined was stephanie who is our mezzo she mm-hmm. is our like graphic designer for all of our instagram she does a lot of social media stuff um like the video that we're releasing on friday for decode was something that me and her worked on. It's like a visualizer with a bunch of different clips and stuff. So she is has so many talents to bring to this group. And if the pandemic hadn't happened, she would have never joined because right. she was going to be um, performing in like summer long uh, musical theater festivals. Yeah, oh, wow. she had booked she had booked a summer stock gig basically. Yeah, um, and was supposed to go out there, and then as soon as that got canceled, she kind of was like, "Well, now I'm just sitting around, so I guess I could think about the group again." Versus mm. before, she had literally told us, "Like, I just can't do it because I can't." Right. You know what I mean? I have this thing coming up. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because the first time we saw Stephanie's name was when Andrew auditioned. Like she she submitted a video for us, and then when we were like, "Oh, do you want a callback?" She said, "Actually." I don't think I'm going to be able to do it just because of my time constriction or constrictions. Is that the right word? Constraints. Constraints. <laughs> Did I create a word here? Okay. I mean, um, it's a real word. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. And so then midway through that summer, 2020, Steph joined. Um, she like basically her audition in quotes that whole summer, we were going to have like various people fill in our missing mezzo role. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did on, what was that? Levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just absolutely crushed it. Um, she really blended with the, th- and this was sending, you know, submitting phone recordings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So even, even with phone recordings and me mixing stuff together, she fit right in and her vibe was awesome. Um, yeah. And then early 2021 was when our vocal percussionist joined Alden um and he's someone that andrew like kind of knew already through a friend of ours named mason who she is and i had performed so alden alden was in the group concrete which was a sort of more 
low-key New York City group. Mm. Uh, and I was in the group Crosstown Vocal and we had performed with each other in the past. So we like universally knew each other through connections there. And then Mason and I had actually got Alden and I talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just happened to mention offhand, like that he wanted another group to move to that had a little bit more direction and, and uh, ambition than mm-hmm. Concrete was going to have. And that happened to be when we knew like, okay, well, the open is coming up. So we need a beatboxer before we do the open. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we reached out to him and his audition crushed. So, yeah. And um, like up until he joined, I, because we were doing everything virtual for almost the entirety of 2020, mm-hmm. um, I was doing all the vocal percussion as well. Cause I was just recording myself. Right. Um, and I'm like primarily a percussionist, like in real life, um, mm. outside of acapella. Uh, so that's what I meant to say. <laughs> okay. Acapella is not <laughs> fake life. Um, but yeah. And, but I knew, yeah, we, that was the missing piece we needed. And like, we had hope that the pandemic was going to start to, um, slow down a little bit in 2021 and it did at times and that allowed mm-hmm. us to perform in things so and he's he's awesome so that's our current lineup and all of us are like we're really in tune with each other um both like uh mentally and with goals and literally and metaphorically <laughs> and yeah. yeah right and uh we have huge goals all of us together so like that's what makes me feel like this is this is the black to gold iteration is that we're all so ready to get to the next the next stage with this group. You know what I mean? Nice. You're, you guys are like mind readers because I was literally going to ask, how do you feel? It, it seems like everything just kind of fell into place. And, and like, I don't want to say that the pandemic is the reason, but, you know, you mentioned the pandemic is part of, you know, is why you are where you are. So the question I was going to ask is like, how do you think you've been able to thrive? Why do you think it's because you've been able to thrive? And it's really because, you were growing anyways. And you kind of answered it at the end there where you said you all have the same goals, aspirations, you know, and when you're all on that same page, it, it can be a lot more helpful than kind of like half and half. Yeah. You sure. know, so that's my big advice to any group. Um, have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. We had to, we, yeah. there was a point where our goals were kind of deviating and we had to literally sit down and do like, a, I think it was probably almost two hours of like, mm-hmm discussion about all right where do we want this group to head because it really felt like people were cut like in different places and it turned out we were not we were, we just were articulating things differently and interacting connection. with each other weirdly about it and that was actually where like that was the meeting where we conceived the album that was the where we picked our track list and like it ended up it went so well and we unified our goals so well that like we got our momentum going again but like have those conversations with your group because it fixes a lot of communication issues there's a lot of stuff that can can come from just not making sure that you're all on the same page. Everyone should always be on the same page. You're a team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I thought I had something else to say about that, um, but I think I forgot. So yeah, but I think you're right, Justin. I mean, I think like I don't want to say I'm grateful for the pandemic. Those words are not going to come out of my mouth. Right. But <laughs> um, there were silver linings to the dark clouds. I'll say that for us. Yeah, right. and I I feel like I I can definitely agree on that front. It's just like there were a lot of hard times in um in 2020 and still right now with with everything that's happening. But we've consistently always come back to each other, um and found like obviously a sense of family in this group. But we just singing together is like is like home for us, and I think that's something that will come across on our album too. Like we have some songs that explore the ups and downs of what we've gone through recently so yeah awesome now you recently actually just had a gig down in uh, pennsylvania and um you know you act you're actively booking gigs where in a time especially in the past you know two years there's been cancellations postponements um of varying degrees of not having something live performed in front of you, but you've been actively booking gigs. So, um, you know, a lot of the listeners are, are educators and they have their own groups. And typically those gigs um, for those groups are their winter, spring, fall concerts of some sort. Sure. Of um, and, you know, maybe a performance at like the local nursing home or community center or at a board of education meeting. Um, what are some tips that you can, give to educators who might be looking to 
take their groups to different locations. Um, obviously, I'm not talking about like locations they can't go into normally, but like, you know, get them out into the public eye a bit more that isn't the typical or prototypical school field trip performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you know, if you, if I guess I should, I'm kind of the gig booker of the group. Yeah. There you go. Gig booker. <laughs> the gig booker, business manager. Who needs that title? Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you want to perform at the Library of Congress, I'm kidding. That's not, I mean, that's that's its own thing. But um, I think it's largely been, because I'm learning as I go through this process too. I've, mm-hmm. I've never, I've been a music director of past groups. I've never really been a business manager. I've never done this side of things, but I have been in groups. I didn't actually do uh, acapella in college. So I came into acapella as an adult in the like professional, I guess, quote unquote, world. <laughs> right. Um, and so I already kind of watched that process and watched how other people were navigating that. Um, my biggest thing is like, number one, just never be afraid to like send that email. Mm-hmm. If you have someone that you want to like be in touch with, or if it's a venue that you think, Hey, an acapella group would sound really cool here. Send an email to the person. The worst thing that happens is it gets lost in their inbox and it stays unread. Mm-hmm. But if you've sent it, you still might get a response versus if you never send the email or you never try. Right then you're not going to get it. Um, reach out to other educators in your area. There's a good chance that maybe they also either have found venues that work or they also are, are interested in doing more things. The Pennsylvania gig that we just did was actually an amalgam of a couple of different middle schools, like doing kind of a joint acapella thing. So you can even get the, those kind of things, which, yeah, they may still be a concert at your school, but then you have other people coming in and right. maybe you can bring in groups from outside. And that's a really cool experience for the students, I think. Mm. Um, and then just uh, in the sense of just send the email, send a lot. Whenever I'm trying to book yeah. a Savar gig, I know like I'm navigating six people's schedules in an mm. adulthood situation in New York City. That's hard. It's hard to find any times where they all line up. So I have usually like one weekend that I can zero in on that everybody's available. Right. So I email six bars if I'm trying to book. I mean, obviously you're not booking bars for high school students, but whatever venues for you're sure. looking at, right, right, right. email a lot of them. Um, and some of them will fall through, some of them will ignore you, but maybe one of them hits. And the more that you've sent out, the better chance you have of booking that thing. So yeah, logistics and navigating that can be daunting, but like Mm -hmm. start with step one, step one is just reach out. Yeah. And and, I think something too, uh, like you, you mentioned that, but I I feel like there might be some people who feel like it's dejecting, like you're you're being like rejected, you know, and like to not give up, you know, uh, you say you throw out 10, 10 different venues and one gets back to you. That's, that's better than none, you know, but like, I think that's something that worries a lot of people is because they get nervous about taking the next step or, or or of some nature. And then they just kind of give up. It's like, well, these places didn't do it. So let's just forget it. And I will say as a person, so I, I was a a theater artist. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I still am. I (laughs) mostly moved out of that, but I moved to New York to do theater and in 2018, I conceived and like created my own show entirely and like mm-hmm. did everything on my end from like conception, putting it together, running rehearsals, booking the venue, advertising. I did all of it. And that feels like a lot to say that I did all of that is like really impressive to me because I don't know how I did it. Because mm-hmm. knowing my anxiety, I would be like, I can't do all those things. But what I remember doing was just I reached out to a bunch of venues, like I said, and yes, I did get the one that was like, what's who's famous in your show that you're trying to put up? What are, what names are even going to draw people? Right. And I responded in the best way I could and they never emailed back. So yeah, I got ghosted by some things that thought you're not good enough. And hmm. does that kind of suck in the moment? Sure. But I had other venues that were responsive and that were willing to like put me in there. And so that's the thing is then once you're past that first step, once you get a venue locked down, logistics can be daunting. Logistics can be challenging. Organizing Mm -hmm. is a big task, but if you have a date in front of you, you just kind of do it. It's, it's funny how that works. You give yourself a deadline and then it happens. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think one thing I'll add to that too, because Andrew said it really well, um, was that like reaching out to venues, of course, is a good thing, but sometimes like, at least from where I grew up, there were like 
you know, community music showcases or something. And like <laughs> sometimes performing for an audience that isn't super like familiar with acapella music can be very, very um, not inspirational is not the right word. It might be for some people, but like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I, I can't think of the word. It's a stupid night for me right now. Um, but like I do a camp every year with with um, high school acapella kids. And mm -hmm. we on the last day of the week after we've learned a bunch of music, we like sing around uh, at like three different venues that are all outside in the middle of summer. So it's like a hot day. But mm -hmm. um, even if you have your acapella group is like performing with uh acoustic guitar um like singer songwriter or you might like run into like a barbershop thing or mm -hmm. even like a live band um not only can that draw more people like if you're just performing for like a community showcase right but it gets more eyes on this art that is acapella that maybe someone that's coming out has no idea what they're capable of or maybe somebody thinks that acapella is only pentatonics and they don't know like high school groups are doing this type of thing, you know? Right. Um, and it's, it's fun to see the look on someone's face that really has never experienced it before. And they're kind of like, Whoa, this yeah. song I've listened to for my whole life. And there's now they're singing in acapella. So, um, that's like the extra step to Andrew's emailing. Like you can also email different showcases to, that's not yeah. really a thing in New York city as much, but right. it can be some places. Yeah. Reach out. Always reach out. Even to your network, even to other people, you know, ask what they've done. We reach out to other groups all the time just to be like, hey, how do you handle this situation? Like, right. yeah, just never be afraid to like ask for help. You don't have to do it all yourself. Other people are also probably feeling similarly, especially mm -hmm. with educators. There's a lot of educators. There's a lot of music educators, and I'm sure they're yeah. in similar situations. So like, do it. <laughs> for nice. Sure. Now, um, I have two questions left. One has to do with about your live show. Um, cause I, I had some questions. I had a question about that and then, um, I'll save the other one for after that. So about your show, <laughs> um, when it comes to handling live sound, do you have a, is it dependent on the venue or do you, do one of you handle sound? Do you have like your own mixer on the side that you, you kind of mix as you go? Um, how do you handle your live sound for your performances? So, um, yeah, we, it's, the short answer to your question is it's entirely venue dependent at this mm. point um, because we had a moment late last year of like, do we invest in sound equipment or do we invest in an album? And, and, you know, and now that we are starting to get into more paid gigs, we can finance wise, we can start actually figuring out a route for live sound. Um, but essentially like as, since I'm the music director and, and I also you know, my entire career is acapella production and mm -hmm. music production. So, um, you know, I definitely am one to tell the sound guy uh, certain things when we go to a venue. Sometimes they are really cool and they take my advice. Sometimes they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I heard you," and they just maybe <laughs> maybe they don't maybe they don't do anything. Mm. But um, you know, the most recent gig we did, the one in Pennsylvania. Um, I that's where I grew up. It was the school district that I went to school in. So it was like a very, um, you know, like nostalgic experience for me. But I they also had old knew, pictures of Connor that they showed. They literally <laughs> showed them on the screen and I looked like <laughs> Justin Bieber. Um, but I knew going into that concert that th that school district has a really nice sound setup. Mm -hmm. And it was the most professional setup we've ever sung on. Um, nice. So and he was one of those guys that like, has a whole rack in the back, but he has an iPad. So he was standing in the middle of it and then he was staying on the sides and, yep. and I could say, Hey, can you go into the EQ for Andrew and like bump out the 250 Hertz frequency because it's kind of muddy and he's like, Oh, got you. Boom. And he fixed it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in the future, when we do invest in sound stuff, that's the route we'll go. We'll, you know, cause I already have an iPad and there's a lot of great, mm -hmm. um, mixing consoles of that nature. And like, that saves money in the long, like if we ever end up start, if we ever start to do like tours and stuff, um, you know, paying a sound guy every night is, is one extra person you have to account for to feed and stuff like that. So yeah, for now we are, we run into some venues that have awesome sound. We run into some that don't and we make it work, man. We, nice. we do it. Yeah. 
Awesome. I love that. I love that you brought up, you know, some, some say, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. And they kind of push you off to the side. So (laughs) this is a side story. It's, it's hilarious. I promise. So um, (laughs) where I, where I used to teach um, my, uh, our students got to participate in the first total vocal at Carnegie hall with Deke, uh, Sharon, and, you know, Sean Altman, a bunch of others. And um, Carnegie hall is, you know, is it, is a, it's a union venue, you know? So they, they, we're off at this time. We're off at this time. So we, the company brought in uh, Marty Gasper of Blue Jupiter, you know, who handles Blue Jupiter's live sound, handles a lot of live sound throughout New York City. They wouldn't let him touch the console. He had to, he had to look over the union man's shoulder oh <laughs> and tell God. them what to do. And I was yeah. floored. And, and I mean, it just, that's it, union. It, it blew, it blew my mind. I, 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 it was funny to me. It was wild. Cause Marty's getting paid by this company to look over this guy's shoulder and tell him where, <laughs> what buttons to push and yep. where to put the faders. Oh, it, no, that's the, the, I work in a Broadway theater as a bartender and mm. we have a, a specialized room. That's kind of like a lounge for certain like VIP guests. And mm. there are specific tables in that lounge that are considered a part of the props department. And I am not allowed to move them out of the lounge. <laughs> so is... if I need the lounge yep. rearranged, I have to call props, even though I could just carry it out myself. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, and wow. also to like Justin to go off your thing, like, as someone who has listened to acapella in Carnegie Hall, like that space is not necessarily made for uh, <laughs> microphones and subs. Contemp and, acapella. <laughs> right. Like, it, I I mean, I saw Spider Horse, the, like the two, the duo uh, acapella, like phenomena that they won the open. Like I saw them live. Yeah. It was crazy. But, you know, that space was made for live acoustic music. So it's like just yeah. to have a, oh, that's so funny to have a union guy like <laughs> messing with that. Uh, oh it, it, yeah, it made me laugh. And this was all, this was like seven years ago, I think. And it was just, wow. I still remember that story. So, <laughs> um, with, you know, with bookings coming around again, you know, a lot of, a lot of locations are changing, you know, venue capacity limits, things like that. Um, it leads me to what's coming down the road for, for you as a group. I know that, uh, decode just came out, got a full album coming. What else is on the horizon for black to gold? Oh, what a grandiose question. I love it. Um, so I think um, I think from a gig perspective, I'll let Andrew talk on that in a little bit. But from a music perspective, like we I, I love the fact that we never seem to slow down. Um, mm-hmm. And that's even though we're even though we have our album that we're working on, like we're also going to have a couple live videos that we're going to be posting whether they were recorded in like a cabin that we went to or whether it was recorded a live show. Um, We have been thinking about making a Patreon, which is going to have a lot of Mm -hmm. exclusive content for, um, you know, people that are paying for the Patreon Um, later this year. Like it's a dream of our soprano Courtney to have any type of like Christmas EP or like a holiday themed Mm -hmm. album of sorts. And like, that's something that we can kind of, I think we, at least I think I can have a little bit more like genuine fun with like mm-hmm. sometimes with the album, it, it is so much fun, but it's also a lot of hard work on me as the producer. Right. Um, that does, you know, I still love it. I wish I could do it as my full-time gig, honestly. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, you know, the more music we release, the more we, we hope to like get our name out there and, and maybe jump onto some festivals or um, like, it, w- it would be cool to really go to any festival, but to perform at some as well. And like work, sh- maybe workshop some groups here and there because mm-hmm. we, I love educating people, but I know people in our, in the group as well would do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then gig wise, like got s- some stuff in the yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. We have a couple We're um, we're performing at like an ICCA semifinal um, so we have that in the, in the pipeline and we have an acapella festival that we are, are booked for at the moment. So like, we're getting those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I know we definitely want to, it would probably end up being like early summer ish is when I'm assuming, but we definitely want to do like a big album release gig where we kind of do proper live performances of some of the songs from the album and just sort of like celebrate the release of it and have a night of a bash, Um, and then from there, like we've really been in this, we've done several gigs at like high schools and middle schools. And we kind of really like that. There's a lot of room for just like 
spreading the love to of acapella to the young folks like i don't know i'm, re- I'm really old so <laughs> oh, i don't know no, no. that um <laughs> so like i love doing that kind of thing um so the more of those that we can get you know we kind of want to reach out to some other high schools and see about doing that sort of thing but other than that yeah like connor said i think i think the reason that that the festivals and that kind of stuff is stuff that we would like to have in the pipeline is because networking is is like our biggest tool right now getting our name out there like we have some momentum and we want to keep it going so we need to like keep putting our stuff out there and hopefully with the album opportunities come to us and 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 that kind of thing so it's a combination of what can we put on the books for ourselves and what can fall into our laps right yeah and we also just like i mean we have done very little traveling together as a group but it's something that we love um and that you know um if I have like family that lives near DC, like I would love to go with black to gold down there and book some shows with some college groups or maybe some high school groups Mm -hmm. and, and get to, and that's the cool thing about the ICCA semifinal we're doing. That's in Delaware. We've never performed in Delaware before. Nice. That crowd of people, they, they might just be Delaware people that want to see a show, but they also might be acapella lovers and, Mm -hmm. um, they might be they might just be future black to gold fans right (laughs) exactly um and like i'm sure down the line well we've been we had talked very briefly about like reaching out to booking agents and things Mm -hmm. like once we get more music and media out on on the interwebs yeah um and like website and and just a bunch of fun profesh things that we want to do weddings birthdays whatever (laughs) Yeah, we nice. do. We do have some weddings in the in the pipeline as well, which is which is fun. So awesome. Yeah, keep cool. it busy. Nice. Now, um, where can people find you on the social medias on the interwebs? As <laughs> the social medias. Um, so uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook as Black to Gold Music. Our name is Black T O Gold. There's been a little bit of uh like our not logo. the number two <laughs> yeah our our logo says b the number two g because yes. like we don't say btg we say b to g yeah. anyway it's so it's <clears> like <throat> little thing um so black to gold music um and we're on youtube just as black to gold and i would search black to gold acapella because the youtube algorithm hates acapella <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but our, it's our harder actually- to find us unless you add that it's funny our most one of our videos for get well soon by ariana grande like has recently had a surge in views like it went from like 200 to almost a thousand recently i'm not sure why i don't know if it was posted somewhere or maybe a teacher shared it and then their kids started sharing. i don't ha- we i honestly have no idea but that's one of the first ones that pops up when you search for it on youtube which is kind of cool nice um and then we are on tiktok uh at b the number two g music <laughs> um and tiktok we just like to mess around like Mm. there's trends that we follow sometimes we sing a song that we will never sing at a show and just like mess around you know so that's that's that and we're on spotify we're on all the streaming platforms Mm. you just gotta so uh so when you say you wouldn't sing certain songs does that mean light switch is not included because i just watched the the light switch tiktok here no actually we are working on um light switch where i am in a hand i'm in a handstand for the entire uh, duration of the well, song. Yeah, well, you're, in, you're in in the video. If, uh, I mean, you're in the TikTok video with as soon as the lights. I was go actually, off. I was actually thinking about this, and Justin, I wouldn't mind hearing your opinion of this. Like, Light Switch is a song that I've, I'm pretty sure a lot of high schoolers and middle schoolers know it because of TikTok and because yeah. Charlie Puth has like, kind of used TikTok to make that song a big thing. Mm-hmm. But would us singing that at a high school be appropriate? Because it's you turn me on like a light switch. <laughs> You know what? I, <laughs> here's my argument, and you're gonna find it's a weird argument, but I think it's valid. Okay. If Kids Bop does it, oh, I think wow. you should have the right to do it. I <laughs> mean, fair. like you think about, and honestly, you go and you listen to one of my favorite ones is uh, "Closer" by the Chainsmokers, um, and some of the lyrics that they change in there. Like <laughs> um, instead of mattress, it's like a backpack or notebook that you stole. And, and it's like it's it all like middle schooly. <laughs> they you know, really angsty. make it school. Well, I mean, didn't they? Didn't kids not do WAP? Uh, yeah, I'm I think pretty so. Sure so they did. Like, you know, I I get the concern. Um, my argument, I mean, as from an educator st- standpoint, my argument is what 
what's the town like? Like, what is the area like? Is it a like a highly conservative area that is like we like poo-poo to that? Or is it is it, you know, um, is it a location where like the teachers are gonna be understanding? You know, yeah. um, I, I honestly because I when I performed with my group, we did elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and when it came to possibly singing a, a song that we weren't quite sure about, we we gauged the the teachers and we said like you listen to this song right like what is your personal opinion about what these children should listen to you know obviously yeah. elementary schools you wouldn't do wop like actually i don't think you would do it i think college might be you maybe if you're lucky but yeah, yeah. i mean that's a bad example We're but unlucky. you know there are like a lot of the to me a lot of the music that you hear today has innuendo and connotations that like it, it's like it's hard to avoid you know, so I don't know, like even just like my kids just went and saw sing Two a couple weeks ago and some of the songs in there, it was, I, they're trying to make, it was hard to choose songs that the kids enjoyed, but weren't like inappropriate, like things that are over their heads. So, I mean, yeah, 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 I'd say use discretion. Um, if you do mention TikTok, there are some, some folks out there, teachers included who, don't understand the teacher side of TikTok and the education part of TikTok. They hear mm-hmm. about these like devious licks challenges that a lot of kids have been putting, you know, doing where like they punch a teacher or they destroy bathroom, you know, property and oh, stuff like I've that. Heard all about that stuff. So, so um, ridiculous. But there, there are good. There is good in TikTok. In some, yeah. it depends on how you use it. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think. I, but to answer your original question, like. Light Switch is that it's a, a similar song to Blinding Lights where if I wasn't working on this album right now, I'd have an arrangement of that done in like three days because it's it's so fun. It's so quick. Yeah, it's catchy and it's it's easy. Like it would be a low stakes. Like lyrically, I mean, lyrically, it, there's hardly any lyrics to it. I think it's right. Like half of the second verse is the same as the first. And if you want or the pre-chorus, whatever you want to call it. But um, right. that that could even be a song where if you're doing workshops with students like they'll connect mm. to that really quick because it's very simple. You can be like, all mm-hmm. right, Sopranos, you're going to take this or altos. It's now simple. You- it's boppy. It's familiar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So for I, I do think out of all the songs um, that we like do shorts of, of that's probably the one that I would want to do a real one of, you know, cause it's just, it's new. It's fun. It's relevant. So yeah, it's I, fine. I, I'll just what? listen to you disrespect Celine Dion some more. I know. <laughs> I hey. told you if you wanted me to do a full one, but you all would, you all said that was going to be a high stakes and we don't want another high stakes. <laughs> it was either that or I will always love you. Whitney's, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying Andrew, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> into both of those. That's for sure. Look, uh, if it's, if it's a power ballad from the eighties, nineties, <laughs> I'm the old man of the group. That's my uh, era. Please give it to me. Inject it right into my veins. Oh, <laughs> uh, That's great. Uh, well, listen, Andrew, Connor, it has been a pleasure to talk to both of you. I really hope uh, we get to see this, um, some more videos coming out shortly. Uh, and folks, check out Decode if you haven't done so already. I'm going to post a, a link to it for you all so you can actually access it and all the other places where you can find Black to Gold. So Andrew and Connor, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Yeah, thank you so Thanks much for, for having, having us, us, man. It was Absolutely. Awesome. Yep, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts, and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and the beauty of it is it will distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor, and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. If you haven't figured it out, that song you're listening to right now is a small snippet of Black to Gold's single Decode, originally by Paramore. 
You can check it out on all streaming platforms and check out the music video that I posted in the episode description for this week. You can check them out at Black2Gold on all social medias. And then you can also check out the Aka Education Podcast on all social medias. Thank you so much for being a great supporter of this podcast. I'll see you all next week. I think I know.